0: Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. Okay, so if you're under 25, well... First of all, if you're under 25, congratulations on listening to NPR. You are, to me, a treasured jewel. I love you so much. Please keep listening. Second, if you're under 25, you probably know who Khalid is. He is a world-famous singer. Millions of streaming plays, millions of album sales. He plays to huge crowds. One time at the Santa Monica Pier, he drew a crowd so big that they stopped having shows there. Khalid has worked with Kendrick Lamar, Imagine Dragons, Normani, just naming a few. And his sound is unique. They're not straight-up dance tracks, but not a lot of ballads, either. They're light and soulful, plain-spoken and sincere. There's a little bit of maybe Bill Withers or Sade. Khalid's breakthrough single was called Location. It's one of the first songs he ever wrote.
1: Send me your location, let's focus on communicating Cause I just need the time and place to come through Send me your location, let's the vibrations. I don't need nothing else but you
0: That track dropped when he was 18. People assumed he was in his late 20s. You can kind of understand why. His voice has a certain grace. He sings like a person who's seen stuff. When Khalid and I talked in 2019, he'd just dropped his sophomore album, Free Spirit. Before we get into the interview, let's hear a song from it, Talk.
1: Can we just talk? Can we just talk? Talk about we it Before we get just talk?
0: just talk? Khalid, welcome to Bullseye. It's great to have you on the show. What's up?
1: It's great to be here.
0: I'm glad you're still enjoying your new record. I can see you getting down a little bit over there.
1: <laughs> Dancing over here. <laughs> I love it.
0: I, I, read, I read an article where you were, you know, it was one of those like... Uh, Khalid is eating a green salad across from me at the type articles. Oh yeah, and uh, you were headed off to dance rehearsal for your tour. Yeah, um, with your with your backup dancers.
1: Oh yes, yes, yes. Are I remember. You, are you a, I remember this day? Are you a dancer? No. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I would like to be gifted in the, the art of dance, I am terrible. I think I'm terrible. My friends, like my dancer friends always hype me up and they always have me dance when we're, you know in my house in a safety zone. <laughs> and then sometimes I get so like stage high that I'm just like, I might like bust a dance move and then it goes on like Twitter and i look at it and I'm like, why did I just do that? <laughs> um, you,
0: you grew up with uh, your mom who is in the army. She just recently retired.
1: Yeah, w- What places did you grow up in? So as far as I remember, I lived in Fort Campbell, Kentucky. For for a good amount, I was born in Fort Stewart, Georgia. Uh, I had I moved over t- overseas to Germany. I lived in Patrick Henry Village over in Heidelberg, Germany, for six years, which was amazing. Lived in Fort Drum. There's a lot of forts here, <laughs> and then uh, I lived in Fort Bliss, El Paso, Texas. Um, Fort Drums in New York. So I've been all over, but you know. My recent memory only stems until, like, I would say, like, first grade. And that's when I lived in Fort Campbell, right before, like, my abrupt, intense, like, move overseas to Germany. Because when you're a kid and you're like, I, don't, I didn't even know what Germany is. I'm thinking Germany's down the street. You know, my mom's like, we're moving to Germany. Had no idea. So that when I moved over to Germany, I think it was just so intense. A lot of my memory beforehand was just, like, shot.
0: Do you have a sense of how your life as a kid was different from uh, other people that lived in one place and went to regular schools and didn't go overseas? Yeah.
1: I grew to understand it. While I was in it, I didn't think of it because it was all I knew. So all of my friends were military kids. But when I left Germany and I left this safety net and I went to a public school when I lived in New York... It was intense. It was it was almost like a culture shock because I I wasn't surrounded by people whose parents were sergeants and you know, what do you know what I mean? Like we there was more freedom, I feel like, in a public school because when you live on a military base your eyes are on you and you represent your parents. So anything that you do could get them in trouble. But when you go to a public school, it's like no one really cares that that your parents are in the military. (laughs) You know what I mean? I do. I love being a military child. I loved it. But it was just a completely different experience outside of it.
0: Was your home as serious as I
1: imagine? No. My mom, even to this day, she's so relaxed. She's like my best friend um and her priority was making sure that we were okay wherever we were and when she would get deployed we'd get sent back home um over overseas back overseas you know to around like North Carolina with my grandparents and it was a good time it was it was what I knew it was all I knew um and I loved the the way my mom raised me I think she raised me to be (laughs) you know A very strong and definitely very based off of like independency and all of that because that's what she did and she's a fighter you know being in the military but not only having just one kid at home but having two um it's tough especially i could never imagine how how it would feel to be deployed and to be literally fighting a war and your kids are back home and you don't know what they're doing and they don't know what you're doing, that stress, that anxiety that would come with it. I mean, the fact that my mom got through all of that and we are where we are now is a blessing. Was your mother deployed when you were a kid? Yeah, multiple times. I mean, she even got stationed in North, uh, not not North Korea. <laughs> she got stationed in South Korea uh, while I was a kid and I couldn't go with her. She was there for around a year. Uh, she got deployed to Afghanistan a couple of times um, she was on the brink of getting deployed when I was a sophomore in high school, but then she didn't. Um, They didn't need her, so... Her MOS became... Her MOS switched. She became a vocalist, but she went in and she was uh, supply. So then they didn't need a vocalist out there, so she stayed home. Your mom was uh, a vocalist in an army band. Yeah. W- what did she sing? She sang uh, mezzo-soprano, so... She has a pretty high range um, and she's amazing. Her tone, her pitch is just, it's unbelievable still to this day. Every time I listen to her sing when she does, which is more rare than, you know, I'm I'm not usually around her when we don't really talk about music when we're with each other because it's my life now. But hearing her sing, her voice is just literally the best. Did she sing songs
0: you knew when you were a kid? I don't know what, I mean, what do they, what does the army band sing? Battle Hymn of the Republic or something?
1: <laughs> nah, she was, she was in a cool band. They, they sang, um, you know, songs. They, they did like this, uh, queen set that they used to always do. They used to sing, um, current songs too. From that time, my mom would always ask me, she's like, what are you listening to on the radio right now? What's new? Uh, and they would like implement it into their set and everything. And it was super cool. Uh, and, The locals loved them. They loved them. You just see, you know, everyone, Germans and Americans, just all just drinking beer, getting twisted, just listening to my mom sing. And I'm looking at it. And for me, I'd like, I, I should have appreciated that more because since I saw it every single day, I think I grew tired of it. I was like, <laughs> oh my God. All right, mom. My mom's like, do you want to come come to my show? I'm like, Mom, I went to a hundred shows. I'm I'm 12. What am I gonna do? I'm gonna be so bored. But now that I look at it, I'm like, wow, my mom is always willing to go to a show of mine. She will take a flight to go wherever to go see me perform. And, um i i really i really love that about us now in life <laughs> did you sing in school or in church or at home i tried to i sing in choir um in middle school i actually joined my first choir in eighth grade through puberty as a kid i, I used to love to sing i sang like all of my life um, because of my mom of course but when my voice started changing i thought it was over i'm like oh this is it I have no more singing in me. Like all these dreams that I have as this kid, I'm like, oh my God, they're over. My eighth, when I went into quiet, my eighth grade year, my teacher that I had, and I don't remember her name, I'm sorry, but she pushed me through the cracking of my voice and was like, you got to push for it. You, you got to just try. And I'm, I'm glad that she told me to do that because now it's my job and I get to do it like every single day. But it was definitely because of that teacher pushing me through my puberty voice um, that, I, that I'm doing what I'm doing now and I love it.
0: Much more to get into with Khalid. Stay with us. It's Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. Welcome back to Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. If you're just joining us, my guest is Khalid. He's on the road right now with Ed Sheeran. Let's get back into our conversation. What was the first really big show that you played?
1: First really big show that I played was on the Santa Monica Pier. And the turnout was supposed to be around like, you know, 5,000, 7,000, literally 50,000 plus people people show up to the Santa Monica pier. 50,000 plus. I don't want to say 60,000, but it was up there and it was so bad that they literally I'm the reason that they can't do any shows on the pier ever again and there were news crews, there was like this big riot, there was like a stampede and it was amazing. And I loved I loved it, and it gave me a different insight on performing and seeing all those people who didn't make it onto this pier, the, the part of the pier that like held, like, what, 3,000 and so people, the people who flowed over and were on the beach and just sat with their friends, and I still meet people to this day who told me that they were there I think that that's amazing, and that's one of my favorite shows I've ever done in my entire career. And I was not the performer that I I look at myself as as right now, but I feel like that experience was just, that's when I knew that my life was on the path of just something way, way bigger, (laughs) way bigger, way bigger.
0: It seems to me like one of the challenges of being a performer is that your relationship with the audience is uh, so fundamentally out of scale because you are, no matter what, performing to many more people than you are. Mm-hmm. And in a in, in a way, you are you desperately want to have this bilateral relationship with each person there. Yeah, there's no way to manage that in a. In a room of 200, much less a room of 2,000 or 10,000, mm-hmm. and like they're giving you something that feels really good and important, but then you also feel like you owe them something. Yes, and you're not sure how to give it to them. Uh, and I've I've read stories about you like w- stepping off of the stage to try and give somebody a hug or something. Yeah, yeah, but like you can't give a thousand people everybody, everybody <laughs> a hug.
1: Same with, like, phones. You know, I try to pick up phones and and record the show from my my, uh, perspective. And then you get phones thrown on the stage. And I'm dodging phones now, you know. Um, I understand that I can't impact everybody individually. But knowing the fact that there's something in me that um, drew all of these people to that room for the time being, an hour to an hour and 30, it's just crazy I feel like that relationship that I have with my fans is the best relationship knowing that although the energy is very intense and I'm 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 you know receiving it very heavily especially how can you not (laughs) look at someone crying to your song to the lyrics of your song in front of your face not be impacted and and not be affected um I realized that I have that relationship with them, but then I look at myself like, okay, all of this energy that I have, I'm going to try my best to exert it and to give it to you knowing that we have something that's reciprocated. And if I need a little bit of extra or whatever, then I'm going to get that from my friends. My friends, are, they go to every show. I don't think I've ever done one show where I didn't have two to three friends standing on the side of the stage, and a couple of my friends I gave jobs and now they work on the production end of my show. And so now it's our, our experience. Um, and that gives me that energy to go out there and, and to want to speak. Um, and to want. <laughs> I'm not going to stage dive or anything like that. So I'll step down. Now I'll touch a couple of hands if, if I need to. Um, it is upsetting that I can't touch every single hand, but at least hopefully I touch everybody in their heart, you know? not to be cliche but i hope people are going there to my show and leaving fulfilled and and full i feel like for me the hardest part is when i interact
0: with someone who has a really deep emotional connection to something that i've done i'm very grateful for it and i like i'm proud of my work yeah but i also in that moment feel like a total fraud or imposter like i'm like i didn't I'm just trying to do my job. Yeah. I can't.
1: It scares me to be responsible for that. It's so cool that you said that because I was at home and I was FaceTiming one of my friends and I was checking my notifications and I saw you know, an abundance of positive comments and hearts and smiley faces and I love Khalid and, and everything. And I'm like, wow, there's people in this world who are geared to me who probably have my notifications on who love me who really love me who really feel a connection with me and my music who've probably met who have met me has has have probably touched me or hugged me um, there's people out there who are very dedicated to being beside me throughout the music and who want to help me and who don't want me upset and that's a lot it's a lot to know that there's because in an average lifetime you know you meet a couple of people who you have a strong relationship with and that, you know, you impact and that love you.
0: I could do like four at a time.
1: Yeah. But <laughs> now it's like four million at a at a time in their own right, you know, probably have posters of things that I've, I've signed just on their walls and they love it and they look at it and, and, and it gets them th- about their day. It's almost like am. Am I worthy of of all of that to myself? I'm like, wow. Is is am I am I actually worth all of these people? Um, you know, because sometimes I feel like I'm on autopilot and I act like I know what I'm doing, but in reality, I don't. And so people are watching me, and they're like, they love that I did this. How did you do it? And sometimes it's just like, how did how did I do this? How is my how has my life be, became this in three years? it sounds ridiculous and it's my life and i'm grateful and i'm appreciative that that it is uh that way but it's it's always insane to look back i'm like i graduated high school in 2016 this is <laughs> this is just on a completely different level than that
0: yeah that's pretty intense for me i'm class of 99 you're making me feel super <laughs> old super old <laughs> when did you start writing songs
1: i wrote my first song that i finished In 2015. It was in August 2015. That's
0: like four years ago.
1: Yeah. Nuts. Not even four years ago. Nuts. And that song, it was, it's so crazy because my best friend is out there right now. He was with me when I was in the booth uh, doing this like freestyle song. We threw it on SoundCloud. It was just going to be our thing. Then people found out about it in school and there was this big demand but then you know obviously there's like a couple of haters and this is the first time I'm experiencing any of this so I'm more geared to the people who hate me I'm like why (laughs) what did I do um but instead of letting that affect me and and uh, uh, you know stopping me I feel like it gave me energy and courage like okay you know what you don't think that i can do this i really really believe that i can do this so i'm going to do this uh and then that song that came after that uh, was this song called saved uh which made it onto my debut album and is one of my favorite songs i performed ever the way that i look at the song kind of changes a little bit with age because it's like a time marker um it's like this it's my own personal time capsule of music and I'm like, oh my god. Any any song that I made around that time, I'm like, oh my God. I I had no clue of what I really wanted to do or you know what I mean? Of or what what sounds that I could have done better. And I always you always hear things that you could have added or you could have taken away. But I think the beauty behind it is that it's so raw and it's so me at 17. And I loved my year at, at 17 I loved my senior year of high school uh and and I've I've had a pretty good year I'm on a roll <laughs> up until uh, you know now I I don't know what's going to happen in the future but I've had a I've had a pretty good time growing as a musician while my music grows as well
0: let's hear my guest Khalid and the song Saved from his first album American Teen
1: The hard part always seems to last forever Sometimes I forget that we are together Keep down in my heart I hope you're doing all right
0: But from time to time I often think What was it like for you, your senior year of high school, to show up for school in El Paso? That's when you moved, right? Yeah. From New York to El Paso. To show up for school and be like, uh, hey guys,
1: new guy here. I'll only be here for nine months. Right. <laughs> it was crazy. For me, it was something that obviously as a teenager, no one's going to want to do. Who wants to move their senior year? You spent three years making all these memories with all these people, and it's just like, well, were any of these memories worth it? They're all just going away. I'm not going to graduate with them. I'm not going to turn my tassel or anything. So I was a little upset that I had to move to El Paso, but I was very naive. And then I moved there and my senior year was one of my most life-changing, literally, of course, life-changing years of my whole entire life. And I loved it. And I've made a best friend who's with me right now to this day, uh, my senior year. But I always thought, I'm like, for me, what always kind of made me a little uh, timid or upset uh, and kind of pushed me away from making too many friendships. I was just like, these people have spent three years getting to know each other—they already got each other figured out at this point. They're they're not gonna get to know me in one year. You're gonna need one. You're gonna you're gonna need more than a year to get to know me and who I am. So, where does that leave me? Uh, and seeing people in social gatherings—they had their clicks and their groups, and they were solid and they were cool. I'm like, me being in their group isn't going to impact them. And in, in any way, and it's not going to take away if I if I'm not, and that was the mindset I had, and I, it was the wrong mindset. I really should have enjoyed making friends my senior year, um, because now that I go back home, I barely have anybody to talk to because all of my friends I, I took them on the road with me, and that, you know they stay with me or they're graduating and uh, they're they're going in school and they're doing what what they got to do. So it, it's interesting to look back at it, but. I mean, everything happens for a reason. That's just things that I, I needed to to go through to grow and to to change my mindset on who do I let in my life and who do I keep out.
0: I feel like you had a plan, like the reverse version of a, a high school horror movie where you, you had like an I'll show them plan, but it was like a... It was a positive. Also, <laughs> <laughs> instead of pigs' blood on that, right, right. Uh, it was. It, it was. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna write a song and put it on uh, SoundCloud. And uh, oh my
1: god, it literally. When I think about the story and I recite it, it literally sounds like like a movie, like a cliche coming of age. You know what's crazy about it is not
0: that you tried to do it. What's crazy about it is that it worked. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Plenty of people who are senior in high school in difficult circumstances are like, "Oh, I'll show them,"
1: and you did. Yeah,
0: you you (laughs) wrote a hit song.
1: I know it was. It's a blessing. (laughs) It's amazing that I did it, and I look back and I'm like, I can see why people, uh, you know, would think and because when I was coming up, you know out of 2016 2017 everybody thought it was fabricated they were like what is this like there's no way this this kid is 19 years old he has a full grown beard he's 27 has to be he's not as young as he's saying that he is you're this, a huge man also it's worth noting you're are yeah, a big yeah. man you're I think you're probably bigger than me and I'm about <laughs> as big as it gets right so i could understand i i could see it but nah that, that's it is my life and it is the interesting life that played out very very weird and you know it's not a normal life but i i love it and i love everything that i went through to get to the point that i am now.
0: more with khalid after the break still to come want to hear him freestyle because he's got bars it's bullseye from maximumfun.org and npr they can be anywhere at your office in your car and they are wrong My mom says that the gray house didn't exist, but she's wrong. He just doesn't wrong. Someone in your life is wrong about something. Something small, something weird, something vitally important. Only one person has the courage to tell them just how wrong they are. You know what you did was wrong, but your daughter is a liar who eats garbage. (laughs) They call me Judge John Hodgman. Listen to me on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. If someone in your life is doing you wrong, don't just take it. Take it to court. Submit your case at MaximumFun.org jjho i I'm Jesse Thorne. You're listening to Bullseye. I'm talking with singer-songwriter Khalid. He's had a bunch of chart-topping singles, two albums, and he was on the Black Panther soundtrack. You can catch him right now on tour with Ed Sheeran. One of the interesting things to me about your music is that you're very openly emotional on your records, but this, the sound has a, a real reserve to it. Right. Um, and listening to your new album, I wondered if there was a, like a future where you have a, you know no parking on the dance floor <laughs> word up type song oh my god <laughs> like if if your future there's a couple cuts that <laughs> are like a little more jams yeah uh but like it, it is it, is there a get down song in your future or for that matter uh a big like a wide open ballad yeah. like a big wide open ballad because it's you're so it's so beautiful but and it's so particular mm-hmm. your aesthetic and it doesn't give too much
1: yeah for me there's definitely like an alternate like recording life that i do of songs that just don't come out that <laughs> just never come out and I always joke with my friends, and I'll rap, and we will put on a beat in the house. and I'll rap, and it's you know it's funny, but it's still kind of like okay, wait, you can tell that he makes music, you know. Yeah. But it's <laughs> it, but it's it's nothing, it's nothing serious. Um, it's and not just my name's Khalid. Yeah, I'm here yeah, to yeah. Say, you know what I mean? I love like to rap exactly, in a major way exactly. It's it's not that there's there's thought behind it, but I, even if I'm joking, uh, there's still thought, and I, I've thought about it, but. I don't know. I feel like for me, when I make music, it's all about creating what I want to create in the moment and and finding out about myself musically and the music that I'm making, I would have never been able to make three years ago. And so I don't know where this path of music is taking me. Right now, it is, it's very, you know, I feel like I'm a very mellow <laughs> guy. I think I'm very like chill and easygoing. And I feel like my music reflects that. And what goes to say that my personality intensifies and I'm like, you know, I gotta, I gotta make something like this. I wouldn't limit myself. I I wouldn't say that I would be bad at it. I just feel like it, it's just nothing that I would want to do right now unless it was a collaboration with someone else. I just feel like I would not be able to take myself seriously if I started rapping on a track and... You know, getting everybody hype at the club because I don't even go to the club anyway. I'm I'm always at home, just chilling. You know, just just chilling, smoking, vibing, just living, and, and I I you know I feel like I definitely make music that resembles who I am right now. I was at a kid's birthday party the other day, and there was this guy
0: wearing a Charday t shirt. Oh my god, I love Charday. And I I went up to talk to him, and we talked for probably twenty minutes about how the best thing about being a grown up is how much you get Sade. Oh, my God. <laughs> like when course. I was like 16, I was like, this is the boringest thing in history. <laughs> Why won't this beautiful woman sing a fun song? <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, this is the greatest thing that's oh ever been God. recorded. Of course.
1: <laughs> I love Sade. I love her wistfulness. I love her how you hear serenity in her voice now. It gives you this sense of peace, and it's so quiet and soft but still has so much effect especially like the production feels like water drops in, in the back uh you know and, and just i love her so much and and she's amazing and i i think that she inspires me a lot when i try to uh, sing soft and <laughs> sing at, at a different tone i always i always think about sade I,
0: I think that something that your music shares with sade's is you know there are Parts of the aesthetic that are entirely different. Mm-hmm. She's got a she's got a band, and um, you know, there's a jazzier sound. Your sound is much more synthesized. Mm-hmm. But you also both live in a place that's like one step to the left of R and B. Like Shawty usually gets classified as an R and B singer, but it's not that R and B. And your music too, like your music has sounds as much like a, a pop song from 1986 <laughs> a, as it sounds
1: like a Beyonce track or whatever. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I feel like that must be a, a choice on your part.
1: <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love like the late eighties, the early nineties. That's what I, what I grew up off of list listening to music in the household of my mom. That's all she would play. And I love that whole, vibe and I love that energy that that it, it gives you and especially with Free Spirit. I felt like as my shows are growing, I want to have that uh energy that I that I could imagine myself seeing. Like I want that anthemic you know that stadium that singer i want everyone to be able to sing my songs and i want everyone to experience what i'm feeling singing these songs and i want everyone to feel free and to have fun and to throw their their arms in the, in the air and and you know and and just let go and i feel like that's what i i think about when i record and when i make music i always think about okay how are, what are they what are they hearing and I, I test it with my friends. I'm like, okay, how are my friends going to react to to the music that I'm I'm making right now? And I feel like I love that. And, you know, this year going on my first worldwide arena tour, I'm gonna live with my music in a completely different way. And then it'll change the music that I make because I'm gonna see as an artist, I'm gonna see what they receive and what they respond to.
0: I feel really strongly that everybody who admits that they rap on my show are not rappers <laughs> should probably rap on my show oh my god this is coming right out of my speaker it's the instrumental from <laughs> grinding by the clips sort of all right, the standard all
1: right. <laughs> on the spot all right all right yeah yeah chilling in la i'm from Cali, but i'm not from the bay oh, no. i don't know i said yeah i'm from ga georgia i'm so important it's so important i don't even know i just know i gotta pour it oh you see the drip and yeah, you see that water flowing flowing so i'm wavy, yeah i'm wavy like the ocean wow I, I'm. this grew. is
0: this is incredible courage khalid i'm deeply grateful to you deeply grateful to you deeply grateful to the, the neptunes for the beat there thank you very much khalid
1: i had to i had to
0: that's how. That's how I know you're a star. You're ready
1: to go. <laughs> you're ready to do
0: this. And none of Off it probably dome. made
1: sense at all. Off
0: <laughs> the dome. It was very bad. But as you said, <laughs> as you said, Khalid, it was it was better than most. Oh my god. Better than most. I can tell you're a professional musician. Kind as you pointed of, out, it was strongly okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. Strongly okay. <laughs> that's what I like to keep my rap bars at. Strongly okay.
0: Khalid, thank you so much for joining me on Bullseye. It was so nice to meet you. Yeah, thanks thank for your beautiful you, record.
1: <laughs> thanks for having me,
0: Khalid. He's on tour right now. You can get some tickets to see him in, I don't know, giant stadiums with Ed Sheeran. That's the end of another episode of Bullseye. Bullseye is created from the homes of me and the staff of Maximum Fun in and around Greater Los Angeles, California. This afternoon here in Los Angeles, it seems to have finally become summer because it is very hot in my house. Our show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our senior producer is Kevin Ferguson. Our producers are Jesus Ambrosio and Richard Roby. Our production fellow at Maximum Fun is Brianna Paz. We get booking help from Mara Davis. Our interstitial music is composed and provided to us by DJ W, also known as Dan Wally. Our theme song is by The Go Team. It's called Huddle Formation, thanks to them and to their label Memphis Industries. Bullseye is on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Follow us in all those places. We share our interviews there. We hope that you will share our interviews with others. Tell somebody about Bullseye. It means a lot to us when you do. I think that's about it. Just remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign-off.